The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Does anyone die without concern or regret? Why do some people want to return from a near-death experience? And can we communicate with loved ones on the other side? Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IANS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Before we begin, let me say on this 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month, that on this Veterans Day, IANS is especially mindful of all the trauma suffered by our veterans and troops just returned from service. If you're one of the many veterans who has had questions about a near-death experience you may have gone through while serving your country, please don't hesitate to get in touch with us at IANS. For more information, go to IANDS.org. And thanks for your service. Several years ago, my wife Charlene, my then high school-aged daughter Kristen, and I traveled to Brazil, a country which seems to have brought together the elements of Catholicism and voodoo into mainstream worship. Every morning when we left our hotel and walked down to the beach, everywhere we saw evidence of burnt offerings and prayers to Jesus, Mary, and the saints, tiny temporary pagan Christian altars carrying wishes, hopes, and communications to the other side. I was reminded of this last night when I happened to watch the 2011 award-winning movie Astral City, A Spiritual Journey. It's a Brazilian film about where we go and what we think about after we die, and how we long to communicate with the loved ones we left behind, and how it takes a kind of evolving spiritual maturity to gain the ability to earn this communication. It's a terrific film, and I would certainly recommend your seeing it. In Jesus' parable about Lazarus and the rich man, the rich man in hell implores Abraham to send messengers back to his still-living brothers, warning them of the suffering that awaits them for living selfishly. Abraham famously answers that if they didn't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't listen to a warning from someone who returns from the dead. Of course, this statement is refuted by the story of Jesus himself, since his return from the dead changed the course of religious history. But so do personal mystical experiences as well. There is nothing like a personal communication from the other side, be it an NDE or a simple message, to change the course of our personal history as well. To talk about this intriguing topic today, we are fortunate to have with us the parapsychologist and author Mary Grace. Mary is a Catholic who came into conflict with her parish priest and Catholic teaching itself after an after-death visitation from her mother and her own near-death experience. When she found herself communicating with the other side, she was forcibly evicted from her church. She has written an excellent book titled The, Communi the Communion of Saints, Talking to God and Grandma, in which she points out a fundamental theological contradiction in Catholicism and mainline Christian teachings generally, that if we are able to commune with the saints, why not with our loved ones who have crossed to the other side? Mary Grace, welcome to NDE Radio. Thank you, Lee. I'm excited to be here today, and I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to share my passion for the paranormal. And to add on to the, your introduction, uh, 
Happy Veterans Day to all those of, out there listening. In fact, I'm celebrating by taking my brother out to lunch today. Many restaurants do serve uh, Applebee's, I know, as one free lunch for veterans. My brother himself suffers from PTSD, so thank you for mentioning that. Of course, of course. Well, now, Mary, uh, outline for our audience what happened to you to put you at odds with your Catholic priest. Well, uh, as you stated in your opening, uh, it was in 2000, after my mom died, she came to visit me in what was known as a visitation or dream visit. And this uh, really started me on the, on the spiritual path in wanting to uh, learn more and be able to communicate with my mother, learn more about spirit communication. And as I started reading many books, it began to open me up. And one of the things I found in all the different books I read was to, to meditate, meditate, meditate. They all said the same thing. So I started taking up meditation. And soon I found out I could learn to communicate with my mother in spirit. In fact, I didn't think it was that hard. And just simple guided meditation techniques, visualization, get yourself in the alpha state, and voila, I was able to to contact my mother. Only this time I wasn't sleeping. I was in a conscious state, an alpha meditative state. But all the, all the books I read, they, they never warned me of this one thing. I, evidently I opened a door I didn't know how to close, and soon spirits other than my mother were contacting me and mm-hmm. um, wanting me to pass on messages to people, some I knew, some I barely knew. Well, I was, this kind of threw me off, and I thought I was going crazy because I hear voices in my head now. Although, I, being in the mental health field, I'm a retired mental health um, professional. I knew I wasn't schizophrenic, and I knew it was basically spirit communication, but I didn't know how to control it. And uh, what happened is, at this time in my life, I was uh, 41 years old, and suffering from, still grieving from the loss of my mother. And um, at that time, since the age of 14, I was I was an alcohol and a drug addict. So I was spinning downward into a spiral of uh, depression and illness. I was also um, diagnosed with two incurable illnesses. At age of 23, I developed a seizure disorder known as epilepsy. Mm effects of that left left to be uh, 8 to 10 seizures a day. At the age of 27, I developed an incurable autoimmune disease called lupus, which led to five surgeries and a hole in my heart. So my body was slowly dying from an overactive immune system. I was suffering from major depression caused by the recent death of my mother. Uh I was I had five doctors. I was on 24 different medications, and now on top of it all, I think I'm going crazy. <laughs> so one day I just I just hit bottom, and many people know what that's like when you just hit bottom in life. And I uh, I, I didn't want to be here anymore. And to cope with it all, I always just increased my intake of alcohol and drugs. But one day I said I had enough because physically I was dying but I wasn't dead. 
and emotionally and spiritually, I was, I was already dead. So I just wanted the suffering to end, just wanted the pain to stop. So I, I just wanted to be home with my mother in heaven. I didn't know what to do, so I thought I did the next best thing. And I went to her gravesite to pray and to be- beg God to take me home because I was no, well, no more willing a participant in this world. So, um, and that day was November, November 1st, All Saints Day. So I prayed to God to take me home and begged him to heal me or give me a sign that he hadn't abandoned me because now I think I'm going crazy and I'm dying, but I'm not dead and living and really living in kind of a hell, a limbo because my body's just here. And... What seemed like hours of talking to myself on the the grave, I just finally admitted defeat and I went home. And the next day I got my sign from God. The next day was November 2nd, All Souls Day. And what happened is that morning, um, I used to do a lot of amphetamines to help keep me awake because the lupus made me tired all the time. And... uh so I got up in the morning and popped a couple ephedrines and drove into the city. When I when I say the city, I'm referring to the city of Rochester, New York, because that's where I live south of Rochester, in the Finger Lakes. And went in there to buy some drugs and some alcohol and decided, well, I'll just uh, wanted also drove into the city because I wanted to buy this book. It was then Borders Bookstore, which is no more Borders. Um, mm by John Edward one last time. It was when that book came out. And I was driving down 390, which is the uh, interstate expressway around around Rochester, when I got my sign from God. And most of you, most people are familiar with hearing a, a song that kind of speaks solely to you and strikes the chord with your very heart and soul and you know, when the words are exactly what you need to hear at that precise moment in your life. Yes. And for me, the song that came out of the radio was a song by the rock group Sticks uh, called Why Why Me? And all the words of the song described everything that I was going through the night before in my mother's grave, wondering why all these things were happening to me and thinking I had a curse on me. And anyhow, when when I heard this song, I just knew it was my sign from God, and I just started sobbing with joy and relief. I'm tears running down my eyes. I'm driving down the expressway saying, thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you for giving me a sign and for not abandon, abandoning me. And at the same time, I was aware that something was happening to my body. I, I felt an electrical shock go through my body. I felt like I was struck with a proverbial lightning bolt of God and quite calmly reasoned that I was probably undergoing cardiac arrest at that moment in time. Mm -hmm. So as I'm driving down the expressway in tears, just all I cared about was getting my sign from God. I was just so grateful. So here I am having a heart attack and crying, thank you, God, thank you. I managed to get my car off the road because I was right near my exit. And um, so I pulled off, and the Borders bookstore was right there. So I pulled in the parking lot, 
of the bookstore, and I turned my car off, and I happened to look at the clock. It was 5.15. I put my head back, and the next thing I know is that I'm I'm floating up towards the brightest, most beautiful, wondrous light I'd ever experienced. And I was immersed in a tremendous force of love that permeated every cell of my body. And this light and love, it not only enveloped me, it became me. And we merged into one. And this was a level of devotion that was unlike any earthly notion of love I ever experienced. This is a million times more intense. And as I was in this light and love, a peace and tranquility settled within my mind, and all my earthly and bodily cares just vanished. I was in no more pain. I felt like I was wrapped in a down-filled comforter. They engulfed me with a sense of security and tenderness. Like I felt like I was being tucked into bed by a doting grandmother. And as I was in this light, I just, I just totally relaxed in a total state of surrender because I was being taken care of now and assured that everything was going to be all right. I was in that light to rest and heal. And at that moment, I recognized where I was. I recognized my long-forgotten creator, my Father in Heaven. I was home. And as I was in this place, my home, this light, this love made me feel like I was the most important person in the universe. And nothing I could ever say or do would change that. And this light just reminded me that I was his child and loved no matter what. And I got to tell you, Lee, condemnation and punishment were concepts that did not and could not exist within the realm of this all-capable, all-loving presence. I was not there to be judged, but to be comforted and healed and reminded. And one of my missions is to remind everybody else that no matter what happens in your life, Everything is going to be all right. So now, then what happened, I had kind of a type type of a life review. I'm not going to go into all that. We don't have a lot of time. But when I was back into, after the life review, I was back into light. And God said to me, without any spoken words, he said, I did all of you asked for me. I gave you proof that you're not going crazy. I gave you a sign that I had not abandoned you, and I brought you home. You cannot stay, however. You must return. Your work is not yet finished. And I was totally okay with that decision. I understood and very much at peace with that and knew it was the right thing to do. And as the light kind of pulled away from me, I felt myself being pulled backwards. And the next thing I realized, I was sitting back in my car in the parking lot of Borders Bookstore in Rochester, New York, and looked at the clock and noticed it was 6 o'clock, 45 minutes had passed. And I felt high. I felt like a euphoria, like I'd 
like better than any drugs I'd ever taken. And I, I ironically, I said to myself, I was sitting in the car trying to process all that happened to me. And ironically, I stated aloud, what the hell just happened? Because <laughs> <laughs> I just, I couldn't believe, I, you know, and I, I sat there and I, I reached in the console in my car and I took out the drugs I just bought and the bottle of whiskey and I looked at them and I thought, these things mean nothing to me anymore. After like 23 years of drinking and doing drugs, I thought, they just look like penny candy to me because they meant nothing in light of where I had just been. So, now, Mary, uh, did your, Mary, did your health improve after that? Well, yes, it, it, it did. What I started uh, noticing in the well immediately right away, um, my seizures had stopped, and I just decided, you know, I vowed then I said I needed to change my life. I was no longer wanted to be on the path of self destruction, and I made a promise to God that I would quit drinking and doing this life anymore. So uh, just I immediately quit drinking, and. Um, and in the coming months, I, my energy started going through the roof. I started taking long walks with my dogs to the lake and uh, just started getting better and better. And eventually I went I went to all five of my doctors and I got my, you know, EEGs done of my heart and EKGs or, or EEG of my brain and EKG of my heart stress test and all the medical blood tests and anti-nuclear antibody tests. For those of you familiar with lupus, uh, that's the blood level they take, and everything came back normal. And over a period of six months' time, I tapered off all 24 medications that I was on, and I was completely disease-free and free of alcohol and drug addiction. Now, at what point did you take the story to your Catholic priest? Well, what happens is many people who read the stories or heard of them is, is your life after a near-death experience is forever changed. And that's what was hard, was integrating back into this world. Because I tell you, at that point when I was in my car, I stepped out of my... When I was in my car, the Borders Bookstore, and I stepped out, I stepped into a whole new world when I was in that parking lot because I decided I felt well enough to go in a Borders bookstore and buy the book that I went there for. I thought, well, geez, nothing's wrong with me. I feel fine. But it's like I I didn't walk to the bookstore. It was like I floated. And my whole life changed. Everything, my perception of reality, feeling light and love from all people, just an intense connection and, and unitive experience being at one with everyone and then i i became uh i was living in two worlds you know my heart was home and heaven with god and i just wanted to spend all my time in nature with god but it was hard to to get back to doing mundane things like you know paying bills and doing laundry and so i i knew i needed help i was on an emotional roller coaster and I didn't know who to go to. I knew if I went to, I was in the mental health field, so I knew if I went to a psychiatrist, they'd probably prescribe some medication and maybe 30 days in the hospital. Um, 
So I went to the one person I thought I could trust and would understand. I went to my priest because I thought, well, this is a God issue, not a medical condition. So I, so I went to my priest and um, set up an appointment. And I told him everything that had happened over the previous year about the after-death visitation from my mom, my own near-death experience, everything that was going on. He pretty much knew about my drugs and alcohol. He sat there very patiently and listened to my story and then quite calmly reasoned that, well, all these experiences were probably brought on by my... They were hallucinations brought on by the drugs I was taking, although I wasn't taking any hallucinogenic drugs. Um, And then he said, I think you need to find another church. And I was like, what? And he explained to me that what I was doing, communicating with loved ones on the other side, was practicing spiritualism, and it was against the teachings of the church, and it was dabbling with the devil and the occult, and I needed to. I, it would be best if I found another church. Well, I was devastated. I left there in tears, and I remember going home that day and just sobbing in my husband's arms. I was, you know, I live in a small town. One small Catholic church, we're all related. Um, so where was it, where was I going to go to church on Sundays? You know. So I continued, I thought, after a while I got mad. I said, well, I've been going to this church for 40 years, baptized all the sacraments, right up through marriage. And at that point, that priest had only been there for three years. He was rather new. They they move him around a lot. And um, so I continued going to Mass for the next two weeks. And then one day, a, a sheriff, Livingston County Sheriff, showed up in my workplace. And he said, by orders of this priest, I was not to set foot on grounds of church property ever again, or I would be arrested for trespassing. Wow. So I was legally excommunicated from my church. Hmm. But but since then, you found another Catholic church that's much more uh, friendly to your point of view, yes? Yes, um, I no longer, you know, I was, I guess I could say I was angry for a while at the Roman Catholic Church. I no longer consider myself Roman Catholic because some people say, why didn't you just go to another Catholic Church? Well, that priest in that church, to me, represented all of the Vatican. Because I understood he was, he was just doing his job. He was, mm-hmm. that was the rules of the church. So um, I thought, well... If I can't be a part of a church where I, it's against the rules to talk to my mom, it didn't make sense. Um, I said I had this burning question: if we can talk to mom and this, you know, God and the saints in heaven, why can't we talk to grandma or mom or our brother Joe? It didn't make sense to me. Absolutely. So yes, eventually I was led to another independent Catholic church in Rochester, New York, called Spiritus Christi, and it's. Um, Actually, they call it the Excommunicated Catholic Church. It's, people laugh, but it's uh, it's an entire church made out of Roman Catholic rejects. So it's filled with, you know, people, gays, lesbians, unwed mothers, divorced. They have this really, what doesn't seem like too far-fetched an idea, that anyone is welcome to come to their church and receive communion. 
And our pastor there is Jesus Christ. Uh, it's right on our church bulletin. And priest Father Jim says every week, this is not a Catholic table. It's Jesus' table, and every, everybody's welcome. So I did find a new home at Spiritus Christi Church in Rochester. I never thought I'd drive 45 miles every week to go to church, but I do. Um, <laughs> and it's now, my home. It's my home away from home. And it, it just makes more sense to me. Now, Mary, out of all this experience, you have written uh, a wonderful book called The Communion of Saints, Talking to God and Grandma. It's a, it's a lengthy book. It runs uh, more than almost 450 pages, mm-hmm. and uh, it's very readable. I, I've enjoyed uh, going through it, and I, maybe you can tell um, the folks in the few minutes we have left um, a little about how you came to write the book. Well, I wrote the book because I felt an injustice had been done not only to me, but to countless of people like me who have um, a a gift. They call it gifts of grace. You can call them psychic gifts or whatever, and are being ostracized from the church for these gifts. Um, I think they should be welcomed. People should be welcomed just as the saints were. The book is um, in three parts. I based it... uh, on the Idiot's Guide books to make it easy to read, because I love those books. So part one is about my spiritual journey, my near-death experience, and how I came to be excommunicated from the church. And part two is kind of like the academic portion, and it's the part that talks about parapsychology and Christian theology, mysticism, and the supernatural, and how all that is part of the the Catholic faith, so it integrates all those things, pure psychology, Christian theology, spiritualism, and mysticism. And um, part three is a step-by, is a, your self-help guide. It's a step-by-step instructions as to how to communicate and maintain relationships with loved ones in heaven because my whole, um, the object of my book and my mission is, is threefold. I, I want to teach that anyone can communicate with loved ones in heaven because we all have a sixth sense, and not only how to stay connected, but the importance of doing so, because this is where healing takes place. And thirdly, my mission is to teach that spiritualism or spirit communication is not an evil force of the devil, but a natural God-given gift that can be under better understood through the science of parapsychology. So I take kind of a scientific view of prayer, of spiritualism, of all the supernatural elements that occur in the Bible and explain that, you know, science and religion are often saying the same things. They're just using different words. We're not that far apart. Hmm. So, for example, the word, you know, what I call clairvoyance, to be able to see spirit in the, in the Bible, there's theological terms that's called vision, or what we call clear audience. In the Bible, it's called locution. So there's a lot explained in there, but um, the book is also a reference book. I recommend it for anyone who's in any type of counseling, whether it's mental health counseling or spiritual counseling, any type of ministers, because sooner or later, if it hasn't happened already, somebody's going to come to you with a paranormal experience. And this book teaches, it's like Parapsychology 101. It will help you to understand um, all about the paranormal, and how to better counsel those who are having these experiences. Because for me, one of my statements is it's very normal to have a paranormal experience. And for people 
when they have these, it's best to have some compassion when they go to their ministers or priests or psychiatrists or whoever it is they're seeking help from, rather than being told that they're, you know, practicing devil worship or something. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's another area that uh, IONS is uh, a contributing uh, force to to help people who've been given bad advice about their near-death experience or similar event. Exactly, and um, also the book a hundred. The my ministry is uh, Gifts of Grace Ministry, um, and that is something that I started to help people. I do spiritual workshops and counseling for people who've had paranormal, supernatural, mystical, and near-death experiences. And the book in my ministry, uh, 100% of that goes to charity. 50% does go to my Gifts of Grace ministry, which is non-profit. And the other 50% of the book and proceeds of the book go to uh, various other organizations, one of them being the International Association of Near-Death Studies. So um, it's all... Nonprofit and um, my website. If I can plug that now, the, the oh, only way to get absolutely, the book, yeah, the only way to get the book really is if through me personally, a handful of bookstores. And um, but by going to my website, it's giftsofgraceministry dot org, and be sure you have a sing- singular ministry, uh, giftsofgraceministry dot org, and there's a link, a uh, page there for my book. And there's a direct link to the publisher, so you can order it directly through the publisher. I do have a small independent publisher, a Catholic publisher, I was happy, really happy to get out of Phoenix. So um, there's no distributors involved, and I'm doing all my own marketing. So I'm truly grateful for this opportunity, Lee, to, to talk with you and your audience about this. Which well, it's, a, been, a, it's been a real pleasure, thing. Mary, uh, hearing your story and... Uh, I want to thank you for uh, sharing your insights. Um, too bad that we are now out of time, but um, let me repeat your uh, giftsofgraceministry.org is how people can get in touch and uh, how they can get your book. Yeah. So my, so thanks again. Thanks to our guest, Mary Grace, today for sharing her insights and story. And thanks as well to our producer and engineer, Dave Olson, at Talk Zone Radio in Chicago. And from the beautiful coast of Maine, I'm your host, Lee Whitting, hoping you'll join me again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for another chapter of IAN's NDE Radio. Thanks for listening. <laughs>